I am looking forward to preaching this message this morning. Uh, we're continuing uh, the Beatitude series. And so this morning, I'm going to get straight into it. Uh, but we uh, are looking at Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. So we're up to blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So if you've got your Bibles this morning, I'm going to read from a passage from Mark chapter 4. If you've got your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 4. And we're going to read from verse 35. So we're going to look at this. We're going to read this out and then I've got a little, a little skit that we're going to... I'm going to do, so hold on to your horses. Uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 35, and it says, On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, Let's go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. He was in the stern, asleep on the cushion. This is Jesus. Not sure if the cushion was from Ikea, but it must have been comfortable because Jesus is chilling in the boat and he's asleep on the cushion. And it says they woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you... Oh, there's a sheep. Teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Not yet, Maddie. Hold, hold your horses, mate, and hold your sheep as well. Uh, it says in verse 39, he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Amen. Pretty cool passage this morning. I wanted to do a little skit. Uh, and we can turn the lights down because I thought, you know, you read stories like this and it's like, you just can't read over it and it's, it's like whatever. Uh, but what I want to do this morning, the Bible says that when it was evening, uh, they, Jesus said to them, let's cross to the other side. So I thought, I'll turn the lights down and it's evening now. We're, we're pretending it's evening. But I'll just ask a few guys to, to come up to the stage, the, my voiceover guys. So, so what we're going to do this morning... Um, we're going to do this little, it's a voiceover skit, so I need you to close your eyes and I need you to just imagine the scene. So we've just read this passage about the disciples and the, and the situation, the predicament that they're in, but we're just going to do a few voiceovers this morning um, and I want you to close your eyes and I want you to try and imagine what the disciples were going through. All right, thanks, Matty. Disciples, Come. Let's go to the other side. Okay. I love to roll. Row, row, row your boat. I love to roll, man. I can't wait to get to the other side. This is going to be so good. It looks great. I love to row. Don't you love rowing, man? I love rowing. It is Especially so... when I'm not doing anything. Oh, it's so relaxing. I love it. Oh, my goodness. What is that? Oh my goodness. What is that? That's huge. Is that a cloud? Is that a storm? I see a wave, man. 
That's big, man. What are you doing? I see waves, man. How are we going to get out of this? There's water coming in. It's coming in. Oh, man. Disciples, get some buckets. We got to get rid of, rid of this water. Start bucketing. I'm going to send a tweet. We're drowning. Hashtag, get me out of here. Oh, my goodness. There's a sheep in the boat. Get it out. Get the sheep out of the boat. It's one of those swimming sheep, man. Oh, my goodness. How are we? I'm going to die. Come on. I'm going to die, young man. Oh my god, what is that? A puma? I can't die, young man. Oh man, my baby's crying. <laughs> How are we going to get to the other side? Watch your bigger baby. Where's Jesus? Somebody wake him up. Somebody go. <laughs> Jesus, where are you? Jesus, wake up, man. We're about to die. You got to save us. I was having this really cool dream about sheep. You were having a dream. Jesus, we just need you to save us. Peace. Be still. Oh, wow. That really worked. How'd you do that? Why are you so afraid? Where is your faith? The end. That's the end. <laughs> Well, I'm not sure if that's exactly how it went down, but I think that's a pretty accurate uh, representation of what was happening, especially with some sheep in there. <laughs> but, you know, for these guys, these disciples, they thought they were going to die. And, uh, you know, we read it, they wake up Jesus and say, Teacher, we're perishing. Don't you care that we're perishing? And they were freaking out. And so I want to ask you this one. I want to ask you this question as I start off. I want to ask you, what's, tr what's trying to fill your boat and what's trying to steal your peace? And maybe some of you say, well, I don't have a boat, Aaron. That's a metaphor uh, for uh, what's, what's trying to fill your life, what's trying to steal your peace. I just thought I'd explain that just in case you haven't had that drug Marcus was talking about with the extra 2%. But you know, when I look at this passage, I find it interesting that Jesus is in their boat and a storm comes. And I think there's an important truth in this that sometimes when Jesus is in our world, bad things can still happen. And I think it's really important that we understand this, especially as Christians, because sometimes storms come and if, if we believe that as a Christian that bad things can't happen to good people, or we think just because Jesus is in our boat or he's in our life that bad things can't happen, then when they do, our boat will get shook up. And it's important that we understand that even if Jesus is in your world, bad things can happen. John the Baptist, you look at the way his life ended, he was beheaded. That, that wasn't a really good way to end your life. Maybe next time I'll do a skit on, on that one. But, you know, you look at guys like Stephen in the book of uh, Acts and... He was stoned to death, like people actually threw stones at him and, uh, and that was the end of his life. And so, you know, somehow, even though it's, it's pretty clear in the Bible, we as Christians can feel that if God's in our world, well, nothing bad's going to happen. But when it does, we get shook up. And I'm sure there are people in here and you faced a storm in your Christian world and it kind of shook you up and maybe you started to question God and his goodness towards you. So I want to ask you, what's trying to fill your boat and what's trying to steal 
your peace. Obviously, for the disciples, water was filling their boat. But more than that, what was filling their boat was doubt and fear. Doubt and fear in who God was and his faithfulness towards them. You know, perhaps prior to the storm actually coming, maybe, you know, like in our skit, they were just chilling out and they kind of thought they were a bit invincible. Jesus is with them. He's sleeping. They just finished some ministry time and they kind of thought, you know, what, what could go wrong? And it's easy when, when we feel like that, when, when life's good, to kind of think, well, nothing can go wrong. But when I look at this, and, you know, I can just imagine the scene as it's unfolding, that the disciples, they're starting to freak out because the storm's coming, and I can see them kind of arguing about who's going to wake up Jesus. You know, because Jesus was obviously a hard worker. He'd been ministering to people. And so when Jesus was taken asleep, it's because he needed it. And, you know, I, I don't know what your household's like, but my wife knows that if I'm having a nap, don't wake me up because I'm going to be a cranky pants if you wake me up from a nap. And some of the wives said amen because you know what I'm talking about. So I can imagine the disciples and they're arguing, who's going to wake Jesus up? Because he could, he could be in a bad mood if we wake him up. And so the Bible says that, that they wake him up together, which is probably a good decision. They thought, well, let's wake him up together. And so they wake him up and, uh, and they wake him up, but they don't just wake him up. They wake him up with a question and they say, teacher, don't you care that we are perishing? Notice that they say teacher here, not Lord, because often when we're going through something, we can question who God really is in our life. And so they say, teacher, don't you care that we're perishing? You see, when we're going through something, then all of a sudden we can doubt who God is and we can be full of fear and we can doubt his faithfulness in our world. So water was filling their boat, but at the same time, fear was filling their life, and so was doubt in who God was. And really their words to Jesus when they woke him up, don't you care, were really indicative of how they felt on the inside and where they were at. So I want to ask you this morning, what's, what's trying to fill your boat and what's trying to steal your peace? What intrigues me when I read this passage is that the disciples, when they were in this situation, there was not one of them who had the solution to get themselves out of that situation that they were in. No one had the solution. You know, most of us, you know, we would probably pride ourselves that when situations arise, be they financial or relational, you know, we can tend to have a pride in ourselves that we will we'll look to ourselves to overcome the, the things that come against us. And it's very easy to kind of have pride in yourself and to think, I, I can get through this, I can overcome it, and think this is, this is who I am. And so we have pride in who we are. But what happens when you find yourself in a situation where you have no control over the outcome like these guys, where they literally felt like they were going to die, and there was not one person in the boat who knew how to get out of this predicament that they found themselves in. You see, often it's in life when we're squeezed, when we're in a situation where our back is to the wall, where we really discover what's on the inside of us. And sometimes it's not pretty. I know that from my life. But for these guys, it was pretty clear that fear and doubt was what was on the inside of them. But you know, really, 
when I look at this, I think, what other option did the disciples have in this situation? I mean, they felt like they were going to die. And, and what option did they have in the, mid, in the midst of this song? What other option except to go to Jesus and cry out to him and, and maybe really question, well, well, don't you care? And it makes me think, what other option do we have when the storms of life come at us, when, like Marcus talked about, when we're searching for answers? And what about when our finances dry up or when relationships around us go sour or we find ourselves feeling all alone? What about when you feel like temptation is too much to bear or you can't see a way out of an addiction? Maybe you can't see a pathway to the dreams and to the things that you've had on the inside of you for so long and maybe you've just let go of them. What about when it seems like your health just goes from one thing to the next and in the midst of that you're trying to keep, keep paying the bills as well? You know, I wonder what other choice do the disciples have when they face their storm of life and, and what other choice do we have when the storms of life come other than to cry out to Jesus and... And maybe we do question him, where are you, God? Don't you care? If you got your Bible still open, I just want you to look at verse 40. And I want you to look at how Jesus responds to these guys in their situation. Jesus says, why are you so afraid? And why don't you have faith? I mean, this is after the storm has settled. But you think about it. These guys thought they were going to die. And Jesus says, why are you afraid? Don't you have faith? And it's almost like Jesus was saying, there was another way you could have responded in that situation. It's almost like Jesus is saying that the way he responded was the way he wanted them to respond. And if that's the case, that changes everything. Because you see, for the most part, as Christians, we live our life like the disciples, that when everything's all good, it's all good, and we're rowing, and, and we love it, and, and life's all good. And, and for most of us, the Christian journey is that, but when the storm comes, we run to God, and we cry out, and we maybe question Him and go, well, where are you? Don't you care? And, and that's really, for a lot of us, the story of our Christianity. But Jesus is, is trying to teach them that there is a different response and there is a different way to live. You see, Jesus had something on the inside of him that was greater than the, the storm on the outside. You see, if you never have peace on the inside, you're not going to be able to be a peacemaker on the outside. Jesus had something, he had an authority on the inside of him that was greater than his circumstance. And for so many of us, when life happens and when circumstances and storms come, we just take the hit and we let them define us and we, we cry out to God and question him instead of realizing that sometimes Jesus goes to sleep for a reason. Sometimes he's asleep in our boat for a reason so that we will wake up and discover who we are and the authority and the power that we have on the inside of us. You see, there is a power and authority available to us. And Jesus, because he had this peace on the inside of him, when he saw the storm, he could speak to it and say, peace, be still. 
See, Jesus was a peacemaker. He carried peace and he knew how to take it from the inside to the outside and to bring about peace in his everyday world. And really, this is what God... You see, Christianity isn't just about having a nice little church experience and, and praise the Lord, but when the storms come, you don't have anything to overcome it. Jesus, our inheritance as believers is that Jesus wants to give you an authority that when the storms of life come, you can say, you know what, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And I've got something on the inside of me that can say, peace be still. Peace be still to my finances. I speak peace into my relational world. I speak peace into this building, into this church. And so there's something on the inside of you that God wants to release. And so I want to look at this Real quickly, how do we access this power? How, how do we stop ourselves from being the Christian who, who just runs to God when, when times get tough and question Him and, and wonder where He is? How, how do we stop ourselves from being that Christian and becoming the Christian that can all of a sudden speak to circumstances instead of letting them always just speak to us? Matthew 5, 9 says, Blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. You see, the peacemakers, the people who can change their atmospheres and bring peace to the, to the atmosphere around them, they are the sons and daughters of God. They are the people who know their identity as a son and daughter of God. You see, when you know your identity in God, then you walk with peace on the inside of you, and then you can bring it to the outside as well. You know, there was a reason that Jesus slept so well in the midst of this great storm, and it's because he knew who he was in God. You know, when I read this, I think it's funny because it says in verse 37 that a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. Can you imagine that? The waves pushing this thing around, and it says that Jesus is at the stern and he's asleep on the cushion. I mean, it's funny, isn't it? This boat, you just picture it. It's just, it's going up and down. There's probably disciples seasick spewing everywhere. Maybe there's a sheep or two in there. I don't know. But it's, it's, gone, it, it's just all happening, and here's Jesus asleep. He's just asleep, and, and there's a reason, because he knew who he was in God. He knew his identity. And so I want to ask you this morning, do you know your identity? Do you know who you are as a son or daughter of God? A son or daughter of God? Because when you do, I believe there is a great peace that you can have on the inside. I want to finish with just this this passage about David and Goliath, it's a pretty short message this morning, but most of you would be familiar with this passage, or maybe if you're not familiar with the text, you would have heard of it before, David and Goliath. And, you know, David in this story is, is really a peacemaker. Uh, you know, he brings about peace in a situation where this giant was facing uh, the army of Israel. And this is what God has called us to be. He's called us to be people who can be peacemakers. You know, when you feel like strife is coming into your family, when you feel like something's coming against you, Jesus actually wants us to be the kind of people who can say, you know what, I'm going to speak to this thing. And I love it because Jesus says, it says that after Jesus spoke, there was a great calm. There was a great calm. And maybe you need to picture that in your home or your workplace or or wherever you are, you need a picture, a great calm 
coming upon that place as you speak out and declare the peace of God over that situation. David and Goliath. So David is this young guy and basically his dad, Jesse, says, hey, David, I want you to go see your brothers. David's brothers were fighting men. They were soldiers. So they were on the battlefield. They were on on the front lines. David himself was a shepherd. Uh, He was accustomed to fighting lions and bears. It was a little bit like the Wizard of Oz. Lions and tigers and bears, oh my. Do you know that line? Wizard of Oz. It was a little bit like that. So David's this shepherd, and he, even though he wasn't a soldier, he knew how to fight off the lion and the bear when it would come to, to fight the sheep. But on this occasion, his, his dad says, Jesse, I want you to go out and uh, um, I want you to just bring back report. Tell me what's going on. Take these supplies and tell me what's going on on the battlefield. So David goes out and he gets there. And when he gets there, it's like a scene from Braveheart. These two armies coming against each other. And, and the Bible says that they're shouting their war cries against one another. And so David, David is there and uh, he watches the army of Israel as they, as they approach. And, and this man, this guy called Goliath, who was a giant, he came out. And it says that day after day, he would, he would send out this taunt to defy the army of Israel or the army of God. And he would say, send me a man that I may fight with him. And so Goliath's proposal was that Israel would send a man and that they would engage in a fight and that whoever would win, that if, if, if Goliath won, then Israel would become servants of the Philistines. But if, uh, if, if the Israelites won, then the Philistines would become their servants. And so David comes and he sees this situation and he sees the army of Israel. They're lining up and, there's, and, and he watches as Goliath sends out this taunt. And the Bible says that the, the, the men of Israel would run in fear. And there was not one man in that army, not even King Saul. It says that Saul and the army were full of fear. There was not one man who was willing to confront Goliath. And this, this, this army was, was supposed to be the army of God. And David watches this scene. And even though he's a shepherd, he knows God and he has a heart for God. And he sees the name of God and the reputation of God, uh, you know, just, just, just as nothing in, in the sight of this man, Goliath. And, and David begins to start talking to the army. And he says, what's going to be done for the man who can defeat this giant, and they, you know, they say, well, the king will do this. And, and word gets out that David is talking in such a way, and, and somehow his words get to king, King Saul. And Saul says, David, I want you to, he, he sends for David. David comes into his presence, and they, they sort of talk for a little bit, and, and, and Saul's like, how can you go? You're just a boy. And, and, and David says, you know, God delivered me from the lion. God delivered me from the bear, and he will deliver me from Goliath. And so Saul says, well, take my armor and, and then, you know, go and fight him. And, and so David tries on the king's armor, but he says, I can't wear this because it, it doesn't really fit me. It, it, I haven't practiced in it. I can't fight in it. So he, he leaves the armor. And the Bible says he goes to the brook or he goes to the stream. And you see, the stream was a significant place for David. You know, you might be familiar with Psalm 23, where David says, The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me 
lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. You see, David had been as a shepherd to the quiet waters before. He'd been to the stream before. He'd taken his sheep there for refreshment. But Psalm 23 goes on to say say that he restores my soul. So David knew what it was to go to the stream, to go to the brook, to go to the place where God had restored his soul time and time again. They were the places where he would find his strength, where he would find his identity. And and in this situation where this giant is facing the army of Israel, the army of God, David decides, I'm going to go to the brook. I'm going to go to the stream. I'm going to go to the place where God has refreshed me time and time again. You see, There is a place that exists where you can go and recover your identity again, where you can go and discover again who you are in God and discover that peace on the inside of you so that when giants and things come at your life, you can release that peace over that giant to see breakthrough. So David goes to the stream, he goes to the brook and he gets, the Bible says, five stones from there. And it's those stones that will... Will, will, he'll use in his slingshot to defeat Goliath. But really, it's, it's not about the stones. It's about the name of God. David says, as he confronts Goliath, you know, you come against me with the sword and spear and with javelin, but I come against you in the name of God. So when David went to that stream, he, he recovered his identity and, and, and he recovered who he was in God, but he recovered the name of God and how powerful that name is, that there is power in the name and that, that he knew that the name of God was enough to defeat Goliath and to bring about peace in the land for Israel, to bring about peace in this situation. David said, he said, when he was going out, He said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. I will go and fight with this Philistine. You see, David, even though everyone else's heart failed, David had something on the inside of him that could bring about peace to those around him. And this is what God wants us to to, to um, unwrap as Christians, to discover as Christians, that there is a power available to you to stand on behalf of those around you. When I stand in church, I know my confidence is not in myself or my own ability, but I stand knowing that God, you can bring great peace to this church, to the city of Frankston where there's brokenness. My confidence is in who God is and the peace that is in my heart. And I know that I can translate it from the inside of me to the outside of me. That is my prayer for you today. Matthew 5, 9 says, Bless other peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. 